Thank you for this passage, and we ask that you would give us wisdom as we reflect upon these words. Help us to know how to apply it to our own situation here today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. With it being Remembrance Day, I can't help but think of conversations that I've had with veterans over the years, especially veterans of the Second World War. And I, I often will remind people that those are not our only veterans. There are many other veterans that we need to be thinking about. But I do remember a number of conversations I had with Second World War veterans, especially in my previous church. I was blessed to be there at a time when we had a good number of veterans there, and so I had the opportunity to talk to them and to hear about their experience during the war. And what really stood out was the variation in their experience. So there was one time I was talking with a particular person, and he was at the D-Day landings at Juneau Beach, and he talked about what it was like to uh, step out of that landing craft with the gunfire all around him and uh, being dropped off in deep water. Uh, we think of it maybe as being uh, waist deep, but it was very, very deep. And with all of his equipment, he went right down to the bottom and then he jumped up and grabbed a, a breath of air with bullets flying around him. And then down he went again and he hopped up and down until he finally came out on the beach. What an exciting story. I mean, that's that's better than anything that we see in the movies. But there was a, another veteran that I talked to who had a different experience. Uh, he wasn't uh, so much focused on infantry, he was a truck driver. And yet that doesn't mean that he wasn't in a dangerous position. Uh, he, his job was to transport soldiers from different places. And he was sent to one place to pick up a number of soldiers. They were in a house and he was ordered to go there and get them. And he talked about how just as he put his hand on the doorknob to the house to walk in there to get those soldiers, uh, he heard the whine of a bomb above him, and that bomb landed on that house, killing everyone in that house And while he still had his hand on the doorknob. And he ended up having uh, some pretty significant hearing loss from that, but thankfully he was able to survive that. And uh, if it had only been, uh, if he had been a couple of uh, seconds earlier, he may not have survived that. Another man uh, talked about how he went to Europe, but he never left England. He was there as a cook, and his job was to feed the soldiers who were in England. And that was a vital role, as many of the soldiers, uh, that's, that would be their starting place when they would come from Canada they would go directly to England and they need to be cared for and they needed to be fed before they went off to see action. Another told me how he uh, served during the war but never left Canada. Uh, he was in the Air Force and there was pilot training that was taking place here in Canada. And his job was to clean up the wreckage from the crashes during the training. And unfortunately, that wasn't just uh, plane wreckage. Unfortunately, it was human wreckage as well. And so he saw a lot in that way, even though he never left Canada. All of those rules were absolutely vital, even though they were completely different. Now, why am I sharing this? Am I sharing this just because uh, it's a Remembrance Day or because I have an interest in the military? No, that is not why I'm sharing it. I believe that there is uh, a message here 
for what the church is supposed to look like. And the fact is, in a healthy church, there are different roles and there are different people doing different things. Uh, we unfortunately have gotten to a, a point where we see certain roles in the church as being more or less spiritual than others. But that is not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, there's all kinds of different roles, different needs that need to be met. And all of them are just as important. And we need a strong reminder of that. And the passage we're looking at, uh, an experience of the early church, I think speaks very clearly to this need. When we look at where the church was at this particular point, we've been following the church since its birth at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and how uh, they, they preached the word and people uh, believed and people were baptized and they gathered together and they studied the teaching of the apostles and they prayed and they shared and they did all these wonderful things. At this point, uh, the structure is pretty loose. There's not a whole lot uh, in terms of... of uh, structure of how things are run. You basically have disciples of Jesus, and disciples are in a special category. Uh, if you're a Christian, you're a disciple. So the disciples refer to all believers in Jesus, and there they are, and they're doing their thing. And of course, you have the 12 apostles who have uh, a recognized authority, but there's only so much that they can do. And at first, this is working just fine, but the church is growing. More and more people are coming to faith. And there are multiple rules for the church. Yes, there's the need to preach the word, to get the word out, that Jesus Christ has come into the world, that the kingdom of God has come, and that we need to put our faith in Jesus and his resurrection. But we're also supposed to be caring for those in need. We've seen that the role of the church was meant to mirror the role of Jesus in his ministry. And in his ministry, he preached the word, but he also cared for those in need. That's what the early church was supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what was needed. And as the church grew, it became more and more difficult. Eventually, it got to the point where there was a crisis, and it came about because of a specific situation. There was a group of widows who were being uh, cared for by the church, and, and widows were cared for because in that uh, historical time, that cultural context, there, there was no government help. You couldn't just uh, apply for survivor's benefits or anything like that. Uh, if uh, a woman's husband died, their source of income was cut off. And there wasn't a lot of jobs that they could get uh, as women in that culture. And so they were in a very difficult position. If they were not able to remarry, then they would have no source of income. And so the church would care for them. But within this church, and remember at this point, they're all Jewish believers in Jesus, uh, there's still some division. We have what's called the, the Hellenistic or the Greek-speaking uh, Jewish Christians and the Hebraic-speaking Christians. And what this is, is some of the Jews had remained uh, in Galilee, in Judea, and they spoke uh, Hebrew or Aramaic, and uh, this had been their, their home for, for a long, long time. But there were other Jews who'd gone off to other parts of the Roman Empire or beyond and had begun to speak uh, Greek, which Greek was the, the language that you could get away with wherever you might be in that area of the world. And they had gone off to these other countries, and now they've come back 
to Judea. And so there's somewhat of a cultural difference there, somewhat of a language difference there. And whether or not it actually was happening, the Greek-speaking Christians felt that their widows were being neglected. Now, it doesn't matter if that was actually happening or not, because even the appearance of corruption is enough to get people upset. We, we don't need to be taught this. We've been watching the news over the last uh, couple of days, and we don't, whatever the facts may be, even if people suspect that there's uh, people who are uh, rigging the system, that's gonna get people really worked up. And so they had to deal with this, but how do you do that? The apostles couldn't just drop everything they were doing and say, okay, we're gonna focus only on making sure that there's equal distribution to the widows, whether they're Greek-speaking or Aramaic-speaking. They couldn't do that. Well, they could do that, but the church would suffer tremendously if that's what they did. And so they realized that there was a need to do something about this, to make sure something happened, and that the, the apostles had to face this head-on in such a way that the rest of the activity of the church wouldn't suffer. And so what they decided was they were going to appoint seven people to step in who would focus on this area of ministry. And there's a couple of things I want you to notice here. They don't say, you know what, we're just going to find anyone we can who will fill this position. That's all we want. We just want, if they're breathing, they're hired. That's not the way they look. They look for people who are filled with the Spirit and with wisdom. They wanted people who were gifted in this area. Something else that we perhaps don't notice right away, but of these seven, uh, most of them have Greek names, which tells us that the apostles were taking seriously the concerns of these Greek-speaking believers, and they wanted to make sure that they were tackling that issue right to the core. And so these, these seven people were appointed to do this work. Something else that's very interesting here is when we look at the apostles, we see that there's 12 of them. 12 is such an important number in the Bible. But equally important with 12 in the Bible is that of seven. And that's exactly what we have here. We're, we're getting a sense, we're being told here that the role of the seven is just as spiritual as the role of the 12. It's not that the 12 are, are better than the seven or anything like that. They are both very important. They're just different roles. And to give you a sense of how they're not on different levels, there's a Philip who's one of the 12, and there's a Philip who's one of the seven. We actually know far more the, about the Philip of the seven than we do of the 12. And through this, the apostles were able to make sure the church was able to move forward. But what does this mean for us? Other than Bible trivia, other than getting a little glimpse of what was happening in the early church, what does this mean to us? What do we do with what has uh, been talked about here? Well, there's different ways that we can look at it. Um, many people uh, have looked at this passage and have seen the appointing of the seven as the origin of the deacons in the church. And I'll tell you that there's some discussion back and forth whether or not the seven really are deacons the way we understand them uh, later on in the Bible and the way they are right now. Uh, we could look at the apostles and see that there's and certainly pastors are not apostles, we know that, but uh, pastors today would have a similar role in terms of the, uh, the ministry of the word and prayer. And so we could look at this and say, well, what this is saying is that it's important for churches to have pastors and deacons. 
Well, pastors and deacons are good, they're important, but I think that there's actually something deeper going on in this passage than that. Uh, what it's actually saying is that all rules in the church have to be taken seriously and they need to be filled with people, filled with the spirit, filled with wisdom, people who are gifted in that area, and that all of these rules are important. Just as we've already talked about uh, in, uh, in the war, that it's important to have those infantry people, but it's also supposed to, important for us to have the truck drivers and the cooks and the people who are helping with the training of pilots. All of those rules are important. All of those rules are important in the church as well. Uh, what are we supposed to be doing as a church? What is our, our goal? It would be really simple if the only goal we had was to preach Jesus. Then all we have to do is we just uh, each pick a, a street corner and we'll grab a, a megaphone and start uh, preaching Jesus. That's all we have to do. But we have other things that we need to do. So yes, we will preach Jesus. But we also need to make sure that we have a building that is in good enough shape for us to gather so that we can hear and preach about Jesus. We need to have someone who's doing the technology so we can get this word about Jesus out of this room and then onto uh, the internet. We, that's an important role. Uh, we need people who are active in doing spiritual formation. We need people who are active in caring for those who are in need and uh, visiting those in the hospital and praying uh, for those who are going through difficult times and those who are reaching out to the community and those who are providing takeout food uh, for the homeless and uh, the poor of our city. All of these roles are important and we can't have one person doing this, nor can we have one kind of person. It's not as matter, the, a matter of having one particular person and being able to clone them so that that particular kind of person can do everything because not all of us are gifted in those areas. We need all people working in all these areas. So this includes formal positions. We're always looking for people, uh, for deacons, for board of management, for other formal roles within the church structure. But there's plenty of other roles as well that are informal. In fact, I would go so far to say there is not one person in this room who doesn't have a potential role. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, no, I, I, I can't do that. Uh, maybe I've gotten a little bit uh, uh, older that uh, I, I don't feel like I have the physical strength to do that. I guarantee you there is still a role. Uh, if you are uh, alive, if you are able to um, have a relationship with Jesus, if you're able to pray, if you're able to pick up a phone and call someone in the church directory, you have a role. Every single one of us. I do not see uh, any example of a church in which we have a few people who are active and the rest are passive just to, to receive from what is give, being given. We all have a role to fill. And here we are living in a historic time during COVID-19 where we want to do more than just survive. We want to thrive. And the only way we're going to thrive as a church is if all of us are working together in the gifts that we have. Uh, so we're not uh, pushed into doing something that we're not able to do, but rather uh, where we are gifted by God, we step into that direction. And maybe you need some help to find out what that, that area is. 
well, then we can have that conversation. We can figure those things out. But first of all, we have to accept that we all have a role. The conflict that was happening in the early church between the Hebrew-speaking and the Greek-speaking Jewish Christians really was only a symptom. It was a symptom of what was really going on, that the church was growing. They needed to diversify. They needed to have people who were gifted in different areas doing different roles. And that's what the church had to do. We need to move forward. We need to thrive as a church. We need to face the crisis that we are facing right now head on and be being willing to be the church, to uh, serve God with all of our strength, with all of our hearts, to be faithful to him, to see the kingdom come in this community. There's so much need in our city right now. And our goal has got to be much more than just keeping the doors open. It has to be doing something. And we start with what we have. And we all have something to give. So my prayer for you is that you would prayerfully reflect upon what you're able to do as we move forward. Uh, 2020 is going to be over soon. We're going to be facing a new year. How are you going to face that new year? What are you going to do? What role will you take on? Let us pray. God, we thank you for this story from the early church. that The 12 recognized that they could not do it on their own. And so they appointed the seven, people filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. God, I believe that there are many people in this room who are filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. They are gifted in different ways. They have a place in the ministry of this church. They have a role to fulfill. We pray that you would help all of us to know what we are supposed to do, that we would be able to, to discern the direction that you are giving to all of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.